0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing
1: and a looper in the left center field. This is going to get down for a base hit. Here comes Phillips. He will score the tying run. In the third goes a Rosarena. It's an 8-8 eight eight game and the Rays have the winning run 90 feet away.
0: Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with
2: the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him, line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag, he turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host,
0: Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our latest show. Today, we'll keep baseball fun in our conversation with Brett Phillips. Doug Wechter will join us to discuss the week gone by. We'll be joined by pitching prospect Mason Montgomery, discuss Ray's Pride Day with Nadine Smith of Equality Florida, and a special treat, we'll chat with Soot and Tom Zimmer and reminisce about Don eight years and a day after his passing. Well, we continue on This weekend. Raised Race Baseball, and our featured guest this week was uh, called by Sports Illustrated the master of fun and also the happiest man in baseball. And, of course, I'm talking about Brett Phillips. Uh, Brett, thanks very much for a few minutes.
3: Hey, thanks for having me,
0: Neil. How are you? I'm good. Tell me what it means to be called either of those two things
3: for you. Uh, you know, it's it, it means a lot. You know, I know I'm a Major League Baseball player to the public, But I'm more than that, you know, and I just always want to come across as someone who is enjoying themselves and is not taking this for granted, who loves and respects others. And at the end of the day, I want to be known for those things first and then be a Major League Baseball player and to be recognized on the cover, a cover of Sports Illustrated magazine is one of the happiest men in baseball. It's really cool to see people have recognized that. And it, again, it's a, it's a testament to the people I have in my life who have supported me, who have poured into me, who have showed me what it means to live and lead a life the right way. And so again, it's, it's an honor.
0: What do you like more,
3: master of fun or happiest man? I, I think I like the happiest man. And when I say happiest man, I just feel joy. I, I, two different things to me, happy and happiness and joy, happiness coming from external things in your life. You know, Oh, I had a good game that makes me happy. Or, you know, I did something, I got a new, you know, promotion that makes me happy. Well, for me, I, I just feel joy. I, every day I wake up. I feel joy from, you know, obviously for me, it's my relationship and my faith with God, but just joy to be able to have been blessed with a platform to bless others, to give back to the, the community, to play Major League Baseball, to, you know, have the people I do in my life who support me, who lift me up. I just feel joy on a daily basis.
0: From your end, and I know this comes out as so genuine, but do you ever have to watch crossing a line? And what is the, that line to cross between, you know, that having fun attitude, but also the competition attitude and wanting to be the best teammate you possibly, possibly can be all the time?
3: Yeah, no doubt. There is definitely a line of professionalism that I never want to cross. I think if you were to ask people, How Brett Phillips plays the game of baseball. They would say he has fun, but he respects the game. He plays 110% every time he goes out there and he works hard. And, you know, for me, I definitely keep that in mind of picking and choosing places where I'm able to have fun. For instance, the pitching situation. Everyone knows me as like the goofy pitcher when we're down 10 runs. Well, over a course of 162 games, stuff like that's going to happen, you know? And if if this was a football season where we're playing only 18 games, things would look a lot different. But again, it's knowing being a professional and knowing where that line is of professionalism and not crossing it to basically be disingenuous or not be organic or, you know, uh, what I'm trying to say. Uh, so again, I just always keep in mind when – and where that place is to to have fun.
0: Was there ever a point on the other side, Brett? And what I mean by that is whether you were playing in Legion ball or playing in the minor leagues where you might've taken the game so seriously that you might've been on the other extreme and it affected performance.
3: Never, never in my life. And I think that stems from how my parents did a great job of always encouraging me through my struggles, through the successes, as a child, I never developed the routine of putting so much pressure on myself because my parents never did that in the first place. And I think if you watch these kids who get burned out, or they feel so much pressure, they develop that habit from somewhere. And a lot of the times it's their parents. So I always remind people, and I know we talked about this before we got on here, like, baseball is fun. Remembering it, why you started playing it in the first place. And then as a parent, regardless if your kid does good or bad, let the coaches coach. And when you go home from the game, you're on to the next thing. Let your kids be kids. What's for dinner? What are we going to do for fun? Let the the results of the game stay at the game unless your kid wants to talk about it, but don't be so don't put so much pressure after the fact that your kid struck out three times. What are you, what are you thinking out there? What were you doing? Like I saw that so much growing up with very talented kids who no longer play this game. And I always am just so thankful that my parents never did that because that is, I, that's a huge reason as to why I am the way I am today and where I'm at, which is a major league baseball player because of my parents.
0: And at the same time, you know, while you have fun, Brett, you're also extremely driven. I think the focus that you use to try and get yourself on track this year, there's probably a pretty good understanding baseball is fun platform goes further and can do more good if you continue to succeed as a player.
3: Yeah, you know, obviously my main objective and first goal is to win, to do everything I can to help the Tampa Bay Rays win. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. There is a lot of pressure there, you know, there is to perform that and that is right, rightfully so. So I, I always want to put in the work and do everything I can to make sure I'm the best version of myself every day I go out onto the field, but understanding that a lot of it's out of my control as well, uh, how I prepare and how I work. After that, the, after the ball leaves my bat, I don't have a joystick. I don't have a controller in my hand to dictate where the ball is going to go. So why am I going to put you know so much pressure on myself after the fact when I have done everything I could leading up to that point to be the best that I can be?
0: And I would think also it, it helps to be able to have outside avenues to kind of relieve pressure you know as much as people talk about you know the impact that you've had on chloe and that and her family i would assume it's also relief for you from you know the 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 rigors of everyday
3: play yeah you know a situation a situation like that with chloe and it puts my life in perspective you know you have here an eight-year-old girl who's battling cancer for the second time and I, i know there are so many people out there in that same boat and it's like she chooses to put a smile on her face And she chooses to go about her life a certain way with the circumstances that she's up against. And it's like, I'm playing Major League Baseball. I'm healthy. I'm doing something that people would literally give sacrifice so much to do. Why can I not put on a smile every day and go about my business the right way? And to extend on that, my wife has been just, she's taken on that role that my parents were when I was a kid of just encouraging me and always giving good like my wife has been unbelievable through this process. I've been with her for seven years starting in the minor leagues. And, you know, she's, she's seen the, the good, the bad and the ugly. And, uh, having, like you said, people in your life who can build you up and encourage you and give you perspective. We all need that because at the end of the day, we're, we're still human. We're going to have emotions come up when we're going to feel like we're not good enough or, we don't, you know, match up to the best. And it's like, it's that, it, it's not what it's about. It's about enjoying yourself and, and having no regrets at the end of, when this is all said and done.
0: Since you brought up Brie, I, I did learn something new about you in Sports Illustrated. You know, a lot of people, yours truly included, ask for permission to marry their current wife, but you actually asked for permission to date your current wife.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that's something I, I took into consideration when. I first started talking with Bree. Um, I knew her dad was a Major League bench coach, and I, as a as a man, I did not want to do anything the the wrong way. So I made sure to touch all bases. I didn't want any conflict of interest with me being in that organization at that time. So as Bree and I were talking casually, I developed a feelings for her, and I, I wanted to pursue a relationship with her further. But before doing so, I asked her father if I had his permission to take her out on a date before we even went out on a date. And, you know, he he said he asked several people about me and they all said good things. And I told him that I had those people tricked. But he said, uh, you know, this, my, my permission, or I, you have my blessing, but this isn't promising. She's going to like you. And, uh, you know, we've been together now for seven, that was seven years ago coming up. I'm going to be 28. I was 20. She was 18 when we first met. And, uh, I remember that phone call very vividly in the month of June back 10 years ago.
0: Does Brie ever say uncle With some of your, you know, your, your energy, your antics say, I need a break. You know,
3: (laughs) she's, (laughs) she's the opposite and not in a sense of like who we are as people, but more so like I'm the extrovert, she's the introvert and she's the calmness to my storm like i get fueled by conversation and talking to people conversation like a lot of conversation with her drains her so you know we we definitely she'll she'll let me know if i'm being too much or if i've got too much energy and i i have to have that feel to know like okay <laughs> but for the most part it's been you know it's been awesome being married to to brie I, I love her so much and like i said she's been She's been the backbone and she's encouraged me and I could go on for days talking about that sweet lady. Has she enjoyed baseball as fun 35 as much as you have? Cause I know she's um, very heavily involved. You know, Bree is actually the CEO. She, that's her full-time job day to day. She's uh, making sure with the orders, things are getting done. That's hers. And I'm, I'm just the marketer for it. And uh, it's been cool to do, to do it together and to know like, I have someone I can trust and I know because she works hard. She's got the same work ethic I do and just what she does. And so it's been really cool to see how she's grown it and how successful and and people love it. Definitely. I don't take that for granted. And I'm, I'm so proud of her.
0: And I know you were able to, as a group, help Chloe's family with some medical bills. What are some goals going forward? Are there, do you want to be able to help more kids? What's kind of the goal? Because I know you, you how much you love this area.
3: Yeah, you know, again, uh, growing up in this area, being a part of this community, this is my community. So it means a lot more to me. I would continue to love to pour into the next generation however I can and uh, just continue to find ways and have conversations on, on how I can do that.
0: Well, let's hope that uh, maybe there's a Happiest Man in Baseball shirt coming out soon, too. <laughs> oh, man, would you would you wear it? Hey, if it's, you know, Father's Day is coming around the corner, that may be a good dad <laughs> shirt to
3: wear. That would be a great dad, dad shirt. Brett, we
0: appreciate a few minutes. Keep up the good work in the community, on the field, and thanks for joining us on this weekend in thank Race you, Baseball.
3: Yeah, thank you, Neil. I appreciate you, brother. We'll see you soon.
0: That's Brett Phillips. We'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to this weekend Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons, now joined by Doug Wector of Valley Sports Sun, who's working the game today. Doug, thanks very much for coming on.
2: Of course, Neil. It's good to hear your voice, buddy.
0: The same here. Tell me, um, is the Rays hit the one third mark after today's game? They're either going to be on a ninety six or ninety three win pace. What has impressed you the most about the fact that the Rays are in this position one third of the way through the year?
2: Well, it's got to be the fact that they're weathering the storm through all these injuries. I mean, you just look at the offense alone. They're missing their two biggest hitters in Wander Franco and Brandon Lau. Lyle. Brandon Lau's been out for you know a few weeks now. Wander Franco has just been placed on the IL, but really he's been dealing with some quad and hamstring issues throughout the course of the season and that's no doubt been affecting his offense. And so uh, the ability to still go out there and put up runs without their two best hitters has been a big deal. Um, Also, the fact that they're missing a lot of arms in the bullpen. I mean, they just got news that Andrew Kittredge is coming back, so that's going to be great. But um, really, starting the season, they probably, you could argue, they have their three or four top relievers not in that bullpen. And for them to still be able to go out and utilize the bullpen the same way they have in the past, uh, and really, not skip a beat. I, I think that those are the things that are impressing me the most about this race club so far the year. I mean, just to be able to to hold their own with all these injuries happening and, and still be uh, close to the top in the ALEs, that's been very impressive. And
0: that's on top of the fact that they're also missing two starting pitchers in Shane Baz and Luis Patino. Baz who goes today. Could get stretched out to five and seventy-five for Triple-A Durham. If you have those two guys, Jeffrey Springs, at least I would think, is in the bullpen, which gives you another really reliable bullpen arm.
2: Oh my gosh! I mean, getting healthy is where this team needs to be, and you know, with Shane Boz, it's almost like you're trading for a frontline starter when he comes back. I mean, this kid is so electric. We saw a flash of it last year at the end of the season when he came in for I think what was it maybe three starts three or four starts and just looked fantastic from the get-go but you know the stuff this kid features is is must-see tv I mean he goes out and and can bump almost 100 miles an hour from the right side with a very smooth delivery very repeatable uh, you know a great off-speed pitches and and so, when he comes back healthy, it will adjust. And, you know, Patino behind him, uh great arm there itself. Uh, for those two guys to come back and help out the rotation and then bump a couple guys into a possible bulk inning, uh, participation in that bullpen, you know, it, it's just good news when you're hearing these guys are coming back, and it's really good sign for the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, moving into the second half of the year.
0: It certainly is. Uh, And you mentioned Shane and Shane Boz, but Shane McClanahan, to this point, you can argue he's among, if not the best left-handed starter right now in the league.
2: Boy, it's hard to say he's not. I mean, you look at his strikeouts, the walk rate, and, you know, what's impressed me the most is, I guess you could say a couple things this year. His ability to pick up that fourth pitch and the changeup, you know, that's something that he didn't have last year. You know, he goes out there and was featuring three pitches and really utilized the slider a ton last year, and, And you look to see what he's doing this year, and, I mean, the way he mixes his pitches is just incredible because all four of them are wipeout pitches. They're all above average, and they can all get the swing and miss. And, you know, the changeup alone is featuring over a 45% whiff rate, which means he gets a lot of swing and misses on that pitch, and it can be one of his featured out pitches on any given day. So that's been very impressive how he's been able to pick up a new pitch, uh, mix extremely well, but also command the zone. You know, the reason Happy he Monday. is the top of the rotation for the Rays and really one of the best left-handers in the game is because he can throw strikes with all four of his pitches.
1: You know, he can be
2: behind in the count and still throw you an off-speed pitch where he wants it. and um, That command is making him pretty much an elite pitcher, and he's been a lot of fun to watch so far this year.
0: He certainly has. And you mentioned at the top the injuries the Rays have dealt with in Wander Franco and Brandon Lau specifically right now give perspective as a pitcher, how does that change if you're a starting pitcher or a reliever, how you go about approaching a lineup and how much pressure that takes or puts on maybe some other guys in the lineup?
2: Well, it definitely makes a lot more pressure for guys to step up into that role. I mean, nobody's going to take over and do the exact same thing that a Wander Franco or Brandon Lau could do. Um, but what you want to see for the Rays is people to step up at certain times with good matchups, and be able to capitalize on some bad pitches, you know, that any given day. Uh, And so for the offense, for the Rays, it allows for guys to step up, but it also adds pressure on some guys who typically don't, you know, have that type of pressure and have that uh, weight to carry on any given day in in this offense. Now, when you're game planning against the Rays, it, it makes it a lot easier. There's no doubt about that. I mean, look, Juan Franco, when he's healthy, I think he's one of the top five, top seven players in the big leagues. Uh, offensively he's a nightmare to try to match up against you know he can when he's right he's a gap-to-gap power guy who is a left-handed and right-handed swinger and does everything above average Um, so not having the game plan for that's a big deal and then Brandon Lau I mean my goodness when he is streaking hot he is one of the best hitters from the left side and it's it's so hard to get him out we saw him in the second half of last year what he can do and the damage that he does at the plate, and you know, to not have those two batters in the lineup for the Rays, it's been hard. It really has been pretty hard to uh, fill those gaps, but they've been doing a good job of it. And but there's no doubt they're waiting and anxiously waiting for them to get healthy and get them back into this lineup.
0: Indeed, they are, Doug. Great stuff. Have a good call pre and post game today, and we certainly appreciate you joining us on our latest program of this week in Rays baseball.
2: So of course, anytime, Neil. Have a great day, buddy.
0: Thank you. That is Doug Wector of Bally Sports Sun. Let's now turn things to the minor league side for the Rays. And joining us right now is one Mason Montgomery. He's one of the top performing pitchers in the organization so far this year. Mason, thanks so much for being with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Tell me, first of all, when you were drafted by the Rays, uh, and you were the first pitcher they took last year in the sixth round, what was going through your mind and, and what did it mean to get drafted for a second time?
1: Man, it was a a big deal, you know, uh, just kind of watching, surrounded by family and friends. And, uh, man, it was exciting, you know, hearing the name called. You can't can't really beat that.
0: It was, as mentioned, the second time you were drafted. Was it a nice thing that you were drafted out of high school and you were planning to go to college all along? Was it a choice for you? What was that like?
1: Um, You know, definitely going into the high school draft. It was definitely a choice. You know, I was leaning either way and then you know got drafted kind of later in the draft and it was still you know super exciting to hear hear my name called but ultimately I just decided to you know go to go to school and get that get that done and experience that How did you grow at Texas Tech Man many many ways physically mentally um you know especially just i think a big part of it was like the mental game of baseball you know kind of learning how to how to have you know longer seasons how to keep the body healthy how to approach more uh, talented uh hitters and and just kind of maintain you know throughout two three four years i was there
0: physically how much did you change and how much did your stuff change like what was your stuff like when you were high school senior or where was it when you were drafted last year
1: man well as a high school senior as far as like pitches and stuff you know I was a big fastball guy only pretty much because that's all you really need in in high school for most you know districts and um, you know as I went to Texas Tech that's when I kind of started to get more polished off as as far as having you know one two uh, to three uh, you know off-speed pitches that I could I could work with and you know definitely in high school that was not the case at all I maybe had you know a curveball other than that you know Texas Tech had helped me develop into a pitcher that you know was able to get me drafted you know where I went
0: What did you learn last year in the Florida Complex League r- right after you got drafted by the Rays and how much does that help you get off to a good start this year
1: right away I mean you learn you know the competition you learn that every one of these guys that you're going to come across is going to be good there's no one that's you know lacking and it kind of just helped you know get your get your mindset right to know that well just do what you do you know you're you're here for a reason i'm here for a reason so just do what you do and and you should ultimately be okay so what was your stuff like when you
0: what are your pitches now and have the race really tweaked anything since you came on board
1: Yeah, I've definitely, you know, over the past year, I've been with the Rays since I've been drafted. I definitely had some tweaks, you know, whenever I came on, I was a big fastball changeup guy in college. And, um, you know, with the occasional breaking ball slider, and then, you know, slowly the Rays have kind of worked with me to develop, you know, more of a harder slider. And, you know, now I would say primarily I'm you know, fastball slider guy. You know, with with you know, mixing in the changeup as well. But they I've definitely been tweaked as far as changing from you know a, a pro nation pitcher to a, a little bit more supination and and being able to spin it what's the
0: fastball characteristics are you like a, a four seam guy with carry or are you a two seam guy or are you both What what's the strengths of your fastball
1: yeah so i i just throw four seam and i'm i'm <clears throat> definitely a carry guy over you know a sinker or a run guy and i know that the rays are really good using like data
0: to help you develop your pitches? How much different is that, if at all, from what you did at Texas Tech?
1: Yeah, that's actually a big thing that that is different. You know, whenever I was at Tech, we kind of had a little bit of that going on. We used Soto a little bit for pitchers, and it was, you know, new to all of us, even our coaches, so we were all kind of trying to figure it out. But, you know, when I got here, the Rays have TrackMan. They've got, you know, all these different different tools. And it has helped, actually, a lot. And it's able to, it kind of shows pitchers, you know, what these pitches are doing and, you know, what you can do to make them kind of do what you want. And how much has that helped you so far
0: this year? Is it kind of start to start? Is it bullpens? Where do you see, like... The growth because obviously they've been they have a rep for really helping guys grow
1: right you know obviously a lot of it a lot of it kind of started in spring training and you know because you know you're just kind of working on bettering yourself there and you know having competition but it kind of just started from spring training and then you know bullpen the bullpen now as i go you kind of can look at the look at the i guess movement of the pitches and, you know, I can't always tell you what you're seeing, so it's nice to be able to look at, you know, this plot or whatever, and it says how it's moving, and then you can realize, oh, well, that's kind of what I want my pitches to do. And how are you
0: adjusting to pro ball? You know, you were a weekend starter at Texas Tech. Um, you're pitching probably, what, once a week then? I know you're probably doing somewhat similar at Bowling Green so far. How's your body holding up through two months, and, and how do you feel, you know, with, with uh, you know, three months to go?
1: Yeah, no, the transition as far as how much I'm pitching is is pretty smooth because, like you said, once a week um, at Tech and then roughly once a week here as well. But, you know, go, coming from college season to this so far, I mean, I think right about now is where we've played just about a college season or maybe a little less. And, I mean, my, my body feels great. You know, I think I'm kind of used to a little bit longer of a season because of that. But, obviously, three months to go, you know, you've got to, kind of have to stick with it and I think I just have a plan to you know maintain stay healthy and you know not necessarily try to do anything special. Mason
0: physically what were you at let's say height uh, weight wise going into this year and is that higher than normal did you was there any kind of thing you did physically to make sure you know you were kind of prepared for a longer year?
1: Yeah I think I you know I think I came in the spring training at you know maybe a couple pounds above 200 and um, I kind of just over the off season worked out, tried to eat well and and you know do all that stuff in preparation because I know, you know, during season it's a little harder to get, you know, all your weights in and you know all your scheduling perfect. So I kind of try to take advantage of that in the off season.
0: Certainly comfort helps with all of this and you just had one of your teammates join you, Drew Breaker just got promoted from Charleston to Bowling Green. What did that mean to have him with you now?
1: Yeah, I mean, you said it. Comfort's a big deal. And um, it's kind of nice just to, you know, have a, have an old teammate that you've known and kind of got to grow with as a player and as a person who kind of went through the exact same thing you did. Um, and it's nice to have him here just because, you know, me and Drew, are, we're, we're good buds and we've known each other for a while.
0: And as mentioned, you know, you were a high school draftee by the, the White Sox, then you were drafted by the Rays last year. Were you someone growing up in Texas who always wanted to pitch? And uh, if so when did you kind of say, hey, I want to make this, I want to be a pro if possible?
1: I, say, I mean, yeah, my, my whole life I've, I've been a pitcher I've thrown in some way, uh, shape or form. And then, you know, I think mid to late high school, I think maybe my junior year uh, was whenever I was kind of, you know, sophomore, junior years when I realized that, hey, like, I think I can be serious about this and, and you know, go play some college ball for sure. And, and you know, try to trying to see if I can make it, you know, to the to the professional level.
0: Well, so far so good with the Rays. Mason, uh, congrats on a, a really good first couple months in the system, and, and uh, good luck in keeping it going the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that.
0: That is Mason Montgomery. It's his first full year in the Rays system, and Mason so far 77 strikeouts in 43 innings and a sparkling 1.67 ERA pitching for high A Bowling Green. Coming up, we will preview or review, rather, Pride Night at the Ballpark and catch up with two of my favorite people, Soot and Tom Zimmer, as we reminisce about Don eight years in a day after his passing. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball
5: Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDSE.
0: We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and we are joined by Nadine Smith, Executive Director of Equality Florida. Obviously, the Rays having their Pride Night at the ballpark this week during this Pride Month. Nadine, thanks very much for joining us.
5: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Tell me what, first of all, for uh, a group of our fans who may not be aware, what is Equality Florida? What is the mission of the organization?
5: Sure. Equality Florida is the statewide lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender education and advocacy organization. This year, we're actually celebrating our 25th anniversary. We were formed right here in the Tampa Bay area and have had a, um, a long engagement specifically around securing non-discrimination protections at the local level, uh, working to create safe schools where LGBT students and all students can thrive and learn rather than deal with harassment and bullying and isolation. And we've done a great deal around the issue of gun violence, not only because of the, the horror of the Pulse massacre, but because of the disproportionate impact of gun violence on our community. So we've, anywhere that there's discrimination happening or any place there's an opportunity to create equity and equality, then that's where we are.
0: Tell me what then in that context, what the pride night that the Rays had this week means to Equality Florida. And I guess more specific, the fact that the Rays have been doing it for a decade and a half.
5: Yeah, the Rays have been such strong supporters for such a long time. And and among the first franchises to, to step up and speak out publicly in support of these values of equity and equality, whether it was the It Gets Better campaign, hosting, hosting Pride Night and creating visibility, honoring different uh, segments of the community. And of course, in the aftermath of Pulse, what the race did is, is something I'll never forget. Um, not only you know, turning the proceeds over from the game, but and spotlighting the survivors and the families of those who were killed. Uh, but they made perhaps the most powerful uh, video that in the midst of a, an extraordinary grief told a story of, of love and compassion. And uh, it is part of my annual remembrance of Pulse that I will watch that video at least once. So our, our ties to the Rays go go way back. They, they are very deep and they are uh, real. They don't just show up during Pride Month. They have been a partner whenever we have called uh, for help whenever we've asked them to step up. And um, so it's been, it, it is good to have an, another opportunity to celebrate at the ballpark, but we know that the the connection to the Rays extends far off the field.
0: Well said. And I, and I think it's also important to see the comfort level for all fans at the ballpark, no matter what day it is, but how have uh, you seen this particular event grow and improve over the years? Obviously the night, Uh, The week of the the Pulse shooting obviously is a memorable day, but the Rays have done more each year, I think, to try and create as comfortable an environment as possible every year.
5: Well, I'll tell you, I think it means so much more this year because of the environment we're in, where not just in Florida, though most notably in Florida, we've seen a a slate of really hostile legislation directed not only at the LGBT community, but sort of going backwards when it comes to uh, an honest Reconciliation with our our past and the lingering impacts around racism in our country, you know, all of the progress in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, all of those things that we have been moving forward on, I think we are seeing this this backlash. So as I say, it's not just against the LGBT community, but the worst part of that is that it's directed at young people. It's directed at banning books and censoring curriculum. and, And it hurts my heart because, you know, I remember being a kid growing up in Florida. And the level of isolation that you can feel. And so when you see a sports team, you know, with your favorite players standing up, when you see that there's a pride night and you see that you are welcome, your family's welcome, your community's welcome, it always matters, but it matters all the more when the environment is hostile to you.
0: And I would think because of, you know, mental health right now is such an important hot button item for all communities to feel safe and comfortable in a ballpark and to see the the rays having the burst whether it's on their hat or their uniform or on the field has to create somewhat of a positive connection
5: absolutely honestly the only antidote to fear and isolation and depression that comes at a time when when our country feels so polarized are these moments that bring us together you know these moments that uh supersede our you know rank and station and neighborhood and anything else, we are just fans together. And there's a, an electricity and a bond that comes from that. And for not just the LGBT community, but everyone who believes and shares those values of equity and diversity and inclusion and that, and that we have to carve out a future that has something for all of us. I think it's, I think it is healing space. I think being able to share that time at a game and cheer on your team and celebrate together and sit at the edge of your seat in you know tense anticipation of the final outcome all of those things are the things that remind us of how much we have in common and you know remind us to stop listening to the social media algorithm and and just remember that we're human beings and i think that goes a long way and those seeing the rainbow burst on the on the uniforms on the caps on the posters uh, again in a world that has not always been welcoming and is often a hostel where you're always looking around for some indicator that it's okay to be yourself here. The Rays make a a big point of ensuring that those indicators are there, certainly on Pride Night, but really throughout throughout the season. And
0: certainly throughout the year, we want to make sure to emphasize the connection with organizations like yours. So if there are fans who are interested in learning more about Equality Florida, Nadine, where can they go?
5: You can go to equalityflorida.org. And you can also visit our Free to Say Gay website, freetosaygay.org. It gives you the latest on the efforts to ensure that schools, despite some recent legislation, continue to be safe spaces for all students to thrive, where every family is respected and every child is protected.
0: Nadine, thanks so much for a few minutes. And thanks for your involvement in uh, Pride Night this year again.
5: Thank you, Neil. I appreciate you inviting me. And go Rays!
0: That is Nadine Smith of Equality Florida and such a wonderful turnout last night for Ray's Pride Night. We now turn to one of my favorite interviews of the year. Yesterday was eight years since the passing of Don Zimmer, whose number 66 is one of three that is retired at our ballpark. And as we've done on an annual basis, I am joined by his widow, Soot, and son, Tom Zimmer. Thanks so very much for joining us.
4: Thank you for asking (laughs) us.
0: Tell me what, you know, it's hard to believe it's been eight years since Don's passing. What kind of memories flash back around this time of year? Or do they just flash back all the time when you think of Don?
4: Well, I think of him all the time. And you know what I think of? What would he think of baseball today? Because there have been changes. (laughs) And I'm not saying for the worse or anything, but there are changes. Back in the day when he played Everybody wore the same uniform and the same black shoes. Now you see all different colored shoes. Some wear their pants down to the ankle, some below the knee, some above the knee. The shirts have two or three buttons open, and you see all the jewelry. There's nothing wrong with jewelry, but I don't think it's appropriate with a baseball uniform. Now I can just hear some of your listeners. Who is this old fuddy duddy? <laughs> just the 91 year old giving her opinion well you know when I'm with when I'm with my
6: boys and grandkids and and we're at softball games with the girls and stuff which is going on right now all stars starts on Monday you know I I often say to myself or to even to the little girls I said oh only if pops could see this you know that's because I, I you know I would love to have him Seen them playing, he'd have gone crazy because they're little bitty girls, you know, and it's like an eight and under team. It's you just can't believe. And they're playing on my old little league field on top of it. So it's like, wow, you know, but I would always say if only pops could see this. That's always what I'm thinking.
4: I definitely agree, (laughs) especially when we go over to that little league field where you played 60 years ago. Oh my goodness! Talking about bringing back memories. Yes, Dad would get a big kick out of watching the girls play. When you
0: see grandkids, great grandkids, who reminds you most of of Don? Is there anyone who resembles and how so?
6: First of all, my twin boys would would look the most like like my dad in, in a way. At their ages, they you know they have similar looks at their same ages when they were growing up. So I would say my my one twin, Ron, would resemble the most, I would think.
4: I agree. I agree with that. Yes. And with the greats, there's too many girls. There's I can't compare any of them with him now yet.
0: Any <laughs> Anyone of them have the fiery personality?
4: No. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, I all mean, have fiery personalities.
6: <laughs> yeah. The, the the girls, yeah. They, the girls have their own, you know, unique personalities and they're, you know, the one. One, one little one, Lucy. She's a, oh my God, she's a, she's a, she's a work brother. She, you got to watch her all the time, but she's, uh, she's feisty and everything. So yeah, I mean they've all got their own thing they do, you know. And the, the little, the littlest one is the boy, and he's a little blonde, real, you know, very fair, and he's still pretty little, but uh, he'll grow, and we'll see how he, you know, what he grows into. But he's just getting started, so we'll see.
0: Well, it sounds like you've got a lot family-wise to just enjoy at this time of your lives. You know, I, I, I think that what stands out to me about Don is just how he loved what he did so much. To, to work in the game at any level for 66 years and do it as well as he did, that passion, I think, is something that I hope is what people remember. What do you remember on a day-to-day basis about how much he loved the game?
4: Well, when I think that he died at 83 and he was still working in baseball at 83, and he did love it. When he went on dialysis the last couple of years, he'd go, he'd drive to his dialysis clinic for four hours, and then he'd get in the car and drive to the ballpark. The doctors and nurses couldn't believe it. He said, we got 40-year-olds that have to go home and take a nap. He's going to the ballpark and puts on the uniform every day. That amazed me that he put that uniform on every day in those eighty-three years.
6: You know, Foley used to have to help him put his socks on. Can you believe that? Foley would put his socks on because it was harder for him to bend down, you know, and, and do that. But that, those are things that you know, I heard guys saying all the time. But you know, it's it's it was crazy because there was people in there that were friends of mine that were doing dialysis. That's 21 years, 25 years younger than him. And they, have, they leave there in a wheelchair, and he's walking out of there and driving himself to the ballpark. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it.
0: How much did that rub off on you, Tom? Because you worked how many years in the game and obviously had to love it a lot, too?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I went 50, and I, and I basically quit, uh, which was going to be my last year anyhow, when coronavirus pretty much shut the minor leagues down completely. So, you know, it was kind of an out the, out the door uh, thing right there to quit on right there. So I just went ahead and hung it up a couple of months earlier than I would have. But uh, you know, I mean, I, 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 missed to some degree of being at the ballpark. I don't miss the reports. Don't get me wrong. Now, I don't miss those reports because I was having to do a lot of, a lot of work on a computer, which I wasn't, thrilled about but that's what it had come down to so I mean the travel didn't bother me I enjoyed going to towns and stuff and you know minor league parks all over this country that was you know that was enjoyable to me and and uh, you had your friends that would meet up with you in different parts of the country so you missed that because really my friends don't live here they live all over the country so it's always just texting and you Know phone calls and stuff, so I don't get to see him face to face anymore. Once you walk away, you know, but you know, it's it, it, it is what it is. Uh, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. You know, I've lived all that, so I got to f- experience that. Now it's time just to sit back and watch the little ones play.
0: Do you think that though your your dad's passion kind of rubbed off on you at some point? That oh, sure, part of the reason that's,
6: I mean, because uh, uh, I can see it. I can see it, the competitive of of, of my twin boys coaching for the first time, young girls, and teaching them to be competitive on how to win. My dad was big on learning how to win. That was with me all through my sports, and then I managed to, so I was into the same uh, thought process. And now I see my twin boys coaching the little girls and – we're liable to be going all the way to the national tournament, the way they're talking, because they're looking only to go all the way to the finals.
0: I said, who do you keep in touch with? You know, Tom had mentioned that obviously his baseball world is, is really across the country. Who do you still hear from?
4: Well, I'll tell you first, I'm 91 now, but at 90, my daughter set up a zoom for people to call me and unbeknownst to me, 14 different baseball people players, managers, and CEOs called me for my 90th birthday. And I thought that was great to think that they thought that much of Don to call me for my birthday, which is two days before Christmas. So everybody's pretty busy then, but that was great. (laughs) And one of them was Andrew Friedman, who used to be with the Rays, and now he's the CEO with the Dodgers. And his son's birthday was on the same day and my daughter who set it up unbeknownst to me, she said, oh, skip it if it's your son. He said, no, I wanna do this. And then she didn't know that Andrew came to our condo to many of Don's poker parties <laughs> years ago. Those are all memories, good memories.
0: Tell me about those because they, was, they were legendary uh, Don's poker games with, and they really brought people together, didn't they?
4: Oh, well that, yeah, that definitely. And I'd make a pot of chili and we'd have all kind of dips and everything. It was fun. And yeah, yeah, those days, I don't do that anymore. (laughs) I'll tell you something I do do. I watched baseball for 66 years when he was in it. Here I am, 91, and I'm still watching. I'm living for the ball games. I'm so glad summer's here. And if the Rays aren't playing, I'm on that Major League Baseball channel watching another game. It's just in my blood.
0: <laughs> well, we talked before we did this, too. So you had reached out. You've texted with Evan Longoria, who obviously was one of Don's favorites.
4: I still do. But can you believe that? We still text back and forth. I see, can, I can see on my iPad what he does. And sometimes I'll send him a congratulations or something if he hits a home run. And he'll always text back, thanks. So, it's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's a very nice guy. Yep.
0: Why was there, and maybe Tom you can uh add to this too well the connection that between them because it, it, you know when Don was undergoing dialysis and would come to the ballpark tired, Evan would wherever he was doing, whenever he saw Don come to the park during batting practice or whatever it was, he immediately gravitated to go see Don and check on him
6: uh I, that that might have been started the time he from the time he was a rookie player, you know and Joe Madden was there he always sent my dad to guys like Crawford and BJ and all those different when they were young players to mentor them from day one. And so Evan just was, that was his boy. You know, that was just, that was one of his main guys and, and Evan just, you know, treated him like a father.
4: Yes. And I know they played cards in the, in the, you know, in the clubhouse together and to think that he keeps in touch Shows how much you thought about Don, which I thought was great. Yes. Time passes on, right? <laughs> it
0: does. It does. Oh. Do you still hear from some of the other uh, managers, That whether it was Joe Tory or, or Jim Leland or anyone else? That,
4: yes. That- Jim Leland calls me every couple of months. Uh, Joe, I Tory, I hear from uh, I know every Christmas he calls me. But there's a couple of players that he used to play with that call me. I got a call from one... Uh, al ferrero out in los angeles the bull mm-hmm. they called him he always calls in and says how you doing they all check in to see how i'm doing which i think is very nice very nice
0: well i think it shows too so what you've meant to this game too it's not only dawn but i think you know you guys were were two peas together since you were in high school right
4: you got it right there in fact A friend that's not in baseball, when he called me after my birthday and I told him about this call, I said, It made me feel so good that they thought that much about Don. And he said, Wait a minute. He said, You were a package deal. If they loved Don, they loved you. Well, I thought that was nice too.
0: (laughs) Tom, obviously you stayed in the game for 50 years. What do you think of what your mom has meant to the sport too? Because I think that value is probably underestimated.
6: Well, I mean, I I don't even think. The wives and women of today, of players of today, are even in the same league. I mean, they, what she did, that we experienced what she did, driving across the country by yourself with two little kids in the car, year after year doing that, setting up apartments and stuff and doing everything. Uh, they, they don't do that nowadays. They have people that drive cars out there. They fly everywhere. They've got nannies and all this other stuff. It's completely different now. And there was no air conditioning either. Try that exercise.
0: (laughs) And there was no cell phones to connect.
4: Amen to all that. (laughs) One of the big things was back in our day, they weren't making millions like they do today. Today, they can afford to fly here and rent a car or whatever. (laughs) We didn't do that back then. We we took the lumps, (laughs) but I loved it every minute. Lived in every major city in the United States. Puerto Rico, Cuba, and even played a year in Japan. And to me, it was quite an experience. Did you have
0: a favorite place of, of all those years uh, of the place you stayed in?
4: I always say my favorite place is where we were at the time, because that's where we were getting paid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great way to look at it. What do you, because there are some people who may not, you know, unfortunately, who didn't experience Don Zimmer is. I did, as, as so many people in the sport did. What, what do you want them to know about Don and what his, his legacy really should be?
4: Well, I can remember one time he said, I just wanted to, want them to think I'm a good man. I mean, he wasn't a Ted Williams or a, a Robert Clementi, but he's, he spent more years in the game than they all did. Yeah, you know, he just loved it. And it didn't matter what he was doing, whether it was a player, or a coach or a manager. And then at the end of the front office, I'm always beholden to the Rays for employing him his last 11 years of his, of his life. And the memorial service they put on for him. Everything was so great. that uh, I'm very beholden to them. Well, you know,
6: uh, I went with the grandkids the other day and I hadn't been to the ballpark you know, until that day. Uh, And it was a kid's day at the ballpark, I guess. And, you know, they had all their friends with them from the softball teams and everything and from their grade school. And I wanted them to know what that 66 meant up there, that flag. That was to me, you know, they needed to know what that meant. They did. You know, my kids already know my grandkids, but the other other kids may not have known. And they've seen us wear a T-shirt with 66 on it from that day, you know, they had the ceremony. But so I wanted to make sure they knew what those three numbers meant up there that were retired.
0: There are so many other ways that Don is remembered. I I guess there's still the MVP award. There are signs in, in spring training, and there's still awards in the Tampa Bay area. So is there anyone that stands out for you that means more than the others?
4: Well, you probably think this is kind of odd, but when he was being the first time, you know, they weren't wearing helmets then. And so the Dodgers, he was in the Dodger organization in the minor leagues. They started requiring their team wearing helmets. And then before you know it, it became mandatory in the game. So I kind of feel like, and, and he wasn't the first one that got bean. There were other ones, but his was very serious. And I think by him getting beaned and being hurt so bad, that it did bring something good out with the helmet requirement. And now I notice the helmets today, they all have a piece that comes down around their face a little bit. They didn't used to be that way, but that's another improvement they've made.
0: And in Tampa Bay, so, is there any award that that honors Don or any memory in particular too that means a lot to you? I know they've got, they still have the Clearwater for Youth program too.
4: Oh yes, I I do appreciate that, that. The Clearwater for Youth is a scholarship and the Rays sponsor it. And I give that out. Somebody else picks out the child. I don't know who, you know, it's somebody in high school. And they don't necessarily have to always be in sports, but they usually are. Uh, yes, that's a great honor that they've done that with, in, in his name.
6: We, we, we've sat with the family the last few years, you know, that whoever got the, they have a little banquet but it was at the uh, Clearwater Philly Stadium and they had an MC, and we sat, it was an open air. it was really nice and they had great food and it was like a breakfast thing. And so we sat at a table uh, with Michelle Smith, who's one of the sponsors. And, you know, and she's a neighbor of ours, too. So we all sat together and we had the, 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 the boy got our thing from, uh, you know, the Don Zimmer Award. He was going to a, an Illinois school, I believe. But he was he, he was a football baseball guy. You know, and you get to meet people like that. And they were very, very, very nice. The family was very nice to us. Yeah. You know.
0: Well, I'm glad we can continue to share memories of Don. I'm glad we can continue to help people remember what he was about and what he meant to this sport. And I hope to continue to doing this year after year. I so appreciate you guys taking out time to do so with us today. Okay,
4: thank you. Thank you for asking
0: us. Special thanks to Sud and Tom Zimmer for being with us today. And we thank them and all of our guests on the program this afternoon, including Rays outfielder Brett Phillips, Doug Wector of Bally Sports Sun, Prospect Mason Montgomery and Nadine Smith of Equality Florida. If you ever have something that you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me. You can do so at Neil Solons. Next week, Colin Pochet and much more for producer John Dugas. I'm Neil Solons. Stay tuned, Rays and White Sox. The pregame show is next. This is the Rays Baseball Network.